welcome to Shoot the Flick, an official Paradoja podcast. I'm Francis Park. And I'm Scott Eisenberg. And we are a married couple who likes to shoot the shit about movies. That we do, that we do. And this week, Scott introduced me to a movie. I gotta tell you, it was a bit of a a breath of fresh air. A nice vacation. <laughs> a day off, you might say. Oh, uh, yes. Scott, what movie did we watch today? Well, today we watched... Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Ah, released in 1986. We're back to the 80s. Oh, yeah. We figured that we've gone a little hardcore recently. We had Train to Busan. Literally, like, so emotionally draining. So, like, I was just yeah. chilling yeah, today. We, yeah, I was sit back and oh, relaxing yeah. all cool, shooting some people outside the school. When a couple of guys were up to no good. Started making trouble in my neighborhood by trying to show me Les or Rob. And I'm like, no, bro. <laughs> no. Ah, uh, yes. No. No more. Don't get me wrong. I like Les or Rob, but, like, I needed a break. I yes. needed to relax. And then, we, of course, we also had Force Awakens, which is... Yeah. Has a bunch of crazy we fans. Were both, yeah, we were both, like, very not happy about it. So it's like, oh, okay. I just needed something to, like, cleanse my palate. And this movie... Is pretty much that. Now, I know what you guys are thinking. You probably ignored everything we said after Scott showed Frankie Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Like, you haven't seen it? No. It's pretty, it's one of the only John Hughes 80s movies that I haven't seen. And there's no real reason for it. It's just because. But now I have, so shut the fuck up and don't judge me. So, yeah, I was introduced to this movie. A long time ago, I probably caught it on TV randomly, since it came out five years before I was born. I saw it in school at one point. It's it's one of those movies that I've seen multiple times. I still laugh. It's still funny. It's an enjoyable movie, and I like Matthew Broderick. I like him in some things. I like him. Some things I don't, but... That's, you know, well, that's a whole other as long can as he, of worms. As long as he's not saying, that's a lot of fish, <laughs> I'm fine. Or, or uh, you, you know, expelling toothpaste out of his trench coat as Inspector Gadget. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he played Inspector Gadget. You remember Inspector Gadget? No. Not the cartoon, guys. The Disney live-action movie, remember? No. No one wants to remember. But we must. It's part of our childhood. It's ingrained in us, Scott. I even liked him in The Producers, even though it's not... I don't like that movie. It's not... I like the original. The original is a hundred times better. I like the musical generally fine, but the movie version of it... I enjoy it. It's... I know it's not as good as the original, because... Gene Wilder and fucking Zero Mostel. But this is not what we're talking about today. Oh no, we are talking about Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Now, do you want me to hit you with some fun facts oh. as I do right off the bat? Hit me with those facts. Okay, so, this movie was written and directed by John Hughes, who we've had on the show before. Famous writer slash director. The last movie we did of his was Pretty in Pink. Yes. Which I showed to Scott, and he liked it, and now you showed me one, and I liked it. So it all comes um, around, kids. Yeah, this is, he's the coming-of-age director. Yeah, pretty much any huge coming-of-age type 80s movie, most likely it's written by John Hughes. So it was written in not one, not two, but six days. <laughs> okay. And, of course, starring Matthew Broderick as Ferris Bueller, and he actually won a Golden Globe for this role. And fun fact, it was added to the National Film Registry in 2014. Oh, yeah. And it was obviously a big hit because it had a budget of $6 million, and it grossed a whopping $70 million. In the 80s? That's unbelievable. Yeah, it's pretty wild. I, I had fun with this. Like I said, it was just, like, a nice, like, chill, relaxing time. They go on fun adventures. It's not crazy energetic. It's just a chill movie to watch. Yes. 
you can get lost in it. But yeah, Ferris Bueller has definitely stood the test of time. Yeah, the the cast did a good job. The writing was was good. The the whole ambiance of the movie was just very relaxing. But like, I don't know if this is a hot take, but I'm just gonna say it. Ferris Bueller is a sociopath. One day he's going to murder a slew of people. Master Skywalker, there's too many of them. Master Bueller, there's too many of them. What are we going to do? <laughs> oh god. But, uh, yeah, I think we can get into the nitty-gritty of this okay. song in dance. Okay, you ready to get into the nitty and the gritty? Sure. Okay. So, we start out with... Ferris... The Crawl. No. <laughs> the Crawl. No, we start out with Ferris Bueller's parents checking on Ferris because Ferris appears to be sick. Oh, no, what a travesty. These parents are the dumbest people I've ever seen in my life. Ferris has clammy hands... He's got a stomach ache. You know, his the parents are worried about him. So they say, you know what, son? They should be. One day he's going to murder us all. <laughs> they say, you know what, son? Why don't you stay home from school today? So they leave. And it turns out, Ferris is faking it. <gasps> and and she give, he gives a little winky wink to his sister, too. Oh, yes, because his sister comes in. And it's like, she doesn't believe him one bit. She's like, he's full of shit, basically. And Ferris yeah, like, is like... Oh, he gets to stay home? This is bullshit. And his sister, Jeannie, is played by Jennifer Grey. And if you don't know who that is, she's Baby from Dirty Dancing. This is actually a year before that movie. Nobody puts Baby in a corner. So it's kind of funny. But yeah, like, I feel like she's a totally different person in this. It's so weird. I feel like even her voice is lower in this movie. Oh, yeah. It's so bizarre. But, uh, fun fact, Jennifer Grey and Matthew Broderick had actually dated after this movie. And they were together for, like, quite a while. Yeah, this was very early in Matthew Broderick's career. It was, like, the first big break. So, yeah, Ferris is faking being sick. And he's, he's breaking the fourth wall, speaking to the audience, telling them the top tips of faking sick to get out of school. Yes. The key to faking out the parents is the clammy hands. It's a good non-specific symptom. I'm a big believer in it. A lot of people will tell you that a good phony fever is a deadlock, but uh, you get a nervous mother, you could wind up in a doctor's office. That's worse than school. He also was taking a shower, and he, he, all this is breaking the fourth wall. Yeah, there were sometimes though, like when he was doing it, Part of it is the score, because at times the score is very serial killer-y. And then he's just, like, staring straight, like, dead-eyed at the camera. And it's just like, is he gonna kill us? Like, what's going on here? Like, he's just so, he's almost, like, deadpan and just, like, Michael Myers shit. Like, I don't know what the fuck. Fun fact, the composer is Ira Newborn, who has done many scores for John Hughes' movie, so... Makes sense. And the score is actually good at setting the tone and the whole ambiance of the whole movie. But there are a couple moments where you think it's going to turn into a fucking horror film. There's definitely uh, opportunities. If, it, if they wanted to, it definitely could. So, from Ferris's shower, we cut to Ben Stein making his two appearances in this movie as a boring-ass teacher. And he is taking attendance, and he gets to... Bueller. 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 So everybody knows that iconic scene. And it turns out everyone in school already knows that Ferris is sick. Oh, yes, you know how rumors get around. You know how these kids are today. And they're saying he had passed out at 31 Flavors, and everyone's worried about Ferris. Which is a running gag throughout the movie. Ferris now calls his friend, Cameron. Cameron! We love Cameron. He's played by Alan Ruck. And he's supposed to be, like, 18. Because him and Ferris are both seniors in high school. But <laughs> Alan Ruck was uh, 29 years old when oh, yeah. in this movie. Ferris, he doesn't look like a teenager either. But he's 24, I think, at the time. 23, 24. 
At least you can get away with that a little bit more. They both look young, though. Yeah. They know. Even Cameron, even though he's, like, fucking... 30. Pushing 30, he does have a, quite a baby face. But he does not look 18. No, not 18. If you had me put a number, I probably would have said, like, 24. Yeah, I probably would have said that, too. So, yeah. He calls Cameron. He tells Cameron, Yo, I called out sick. Let's go do something. Get over here. And Cameron's like, I'm too sick to come out. I actually loved this part because, like, the music at this particular part was really funny because every time they cut to Ferris, he's in the backyard with, like, a drink and there's, like, Hawaiian music playing. It's like, ooh, so, like, relaxing and nice. And then cuts to camera and it's like, duh, 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 duh. Like, just so depressing sounding. Yeah, it, it's... And it's, like, such a stark contrast that it's funny. Yeah. There's a theory out there. And I'm gonna bring it up. I don't believe the theory. I think it's I don't dumb. either. I don't really... I don't dig this theory. I dig the theory that he's a sociopath more. It is called the Fight Club Theory. Because this has been done in Fight Club. That Ferris is Cameron's imagination. Well, Ferris and another character we meet are part of Cameron's imagination. That Cameron's not actually leaving his bed. He imagines everything that happens in this movie. Which, like, I can understand it. Like, it's not that it doesn't make sense. I just choose to believe that that's not legit. I think people made this theory more because as this goes on, there's a lot of fantastical stuff that happens in this movie. And not that fantastical. Uh, fantastical for, like, hypothetically 18-year-olds to get away with. I guess. But, like, it, it does make sense because as you go through the movie, you, you, you get to know Ferris and Cameron a little more. And Ferris is, like I said, a fucking sociopath. He does not give a fuck about anything. And he just gets away with everything. And Cameron is kind of more, like, uptight and very concerned with his future and with his relationship with his dad, which we'll get to. It's like, a, he's very in his head about a lot of that stuff. So the theory makes sense that Ferris would be in his head, kind of an amalgamation of, like, what he wishes Wants to be, yeah. Right. As they said, his ideal self is Ferris Bueller. Right. Which, okay, I guess, if you really want to go that way and think of it that way, sure. But I like the movie as a whole itself. I really don't think it needs that. And after Cameron hangs up on him, we get introduced to Principal Rooney. Ah, Principal Rooney! And his secretary. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, so Ed Rooney is played by Jeffrey Jones. He is a character actor that's been in a lot of things. He's often, like, the tight-ass, like, villainy type. Yeah. Uh, and the secretary, Grace, I was very surprised when I saw she's played by Edie McClurg, and she's shown up on Shoot the Flick before in one of our favorite episodes, the Master of Disguise episode. She played Dana Carvey's mom in Master of Disguise. What a fucking treat this was. <laughs> she was funny in this, though. No, she was. She was fine in this. I mean, not, listen, there are so many problems with Master of Disguise that aren't Edie McClurg's problems. Edie McClurg is just a symptom of a larger, larger disease oh, that God. is Master of Disguise. Please reference our past episode if you want to hear more about that. Oh, God. So, they're talking about Ferris and how... Ferris is this horrible human being who stops Rooney from ruling the school like he wants to. He makes a fool of him. She goes, yes, he makes you look like an ass. <laughs> that was hilarious. <laughs> I was like, you go, Grace. You tell him how it is. The sportos, the motorheads, geeks, sluts, bloods, wasteoids, dweebies, dickheads. They all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude. At one point, she, she don't give a fuck either. She's, like, sniffing glue at her desk. I'm like, what? Is she snorting coke? Like, what is she doing? But no, she was just sniffing glue. And then, like, randomly, in the beginning, there was a couple times we cut to uh, Ben Stein's class. And oh, he's God. just rambling on and on about nonsense. And there's another point where there's another teacher that's rambling on and on about nonsense. And it's like, oh, my God. I just had, like... 
just a, a flashbang of like high school memories and like, oh god, none of that mattered at all. Like, <laughs> high school does not fucking matter at all. Stay in school, kids. <laughs> Do you remember any pre-calculus? <laughs> um, fuck no. So, Rooney calls Ferris's mother and, uh, bitch. <laughs> and tells her that your son has been absent nine times. She goes, nine times? I, I, that can't be right. And she's like, no, that can't be right. He goes, I have the number right here. And he looks at his computer, and the number starts going down to two. And then he cuts to Ferris at his home with his computer. He's like, I got a computer for my birthday. I wanted a car. I got a computer. <laughs> and now I use it to commit fraud. <laughs> yeah, <Fun>. a computer. <laughs> By the way, for an 18-year-old to hack a computer oh my God. is hysterical. Listen, so many things in teen movies that just happen, like, so carelessly could never actually happen in real life. It's hilarious, and hacking into shit is one of them. I feel like that's a trope, almost, in a lot of teen movies. And when we eventually talk about hackers, which is a classic, <laughs> oh, such a classic, uh, we'll probably get into that even more. It actually is funny. It reminds me of the movie War Games, because War Games is also a Matthew Broderick movie. Ah. That had him hacking into random computers. What is it with the 80s and, like, hacking is so cool, man? Because <laughs> it's cool, man. It's like the late 80s, early 90s. That's what kids did. <sighs> so, uh... Ferris is calling people in the school and playing up that he's sick and telling all these people that he's dying. Which, like, why? Because he's Ferris Bueller. I don't understand what the point was of that. Because then, throughout the movie, everyone's like, oh, Ferris is dying. People start going up to Jeannie throughout the day, like, oh, I'm so sorry about your brother. And she's just getting more and more mad. And at one point, like, one kid takes up a collection, like a tin can, like kids put coins in it. It's like, what's going on here? What are you trying to do? Apparently, Ferris needs a kidney. Oh my god, it was hilarious. As, as someone with medical issues, it was hilarious to watch people be so, like, fawning over Ferris. And then, like, at one point, when Cameron is in the bed and he keeps getting calls from Ferris to come over, at one point he's taking his own blood pressure, and I've done that before, so I've just got, like, really funny flashbacks. Cameron, this is my ninth sick day. If I get caught, I won't graduate. I'm not doing this for me, I'm doing it for you. Do you know what my diastolic is? Be a man! I'm like, oh my god, diastolic, what are you, what are you doing, Cameron? But uh, I think everybody bonding over Ferris and worrying about Ferris just adds to Jeannie's mental breakdown. Oh my god, poor Jeannie. I really like Jeannie in this. <laughs> I felt so bad for her. But man, Ed Rooney really hates Ferris. Yeah, that's, like, fucking ridiculous, too, because, and not, it's not, like, against the movie, it's just him. You're an idiot. Like, first of all, you're a high school principal. Like, clearly your life did not turn out the way you wanted it to. What do you care if he's ditching school? Who cares? He's uh, well, going. Yeah, because he keeps threatening to try and get Ferris to stay there another year. But, like, if you have this kid stay here another year, yeah. wouldn't he end up eventually creating more Ferris Bueller's? Right, like, just let him go. Let him fly free. <laughs> Finally, Ferris tells Cameron to come over in 15 minutes, and Cameron is sitting there in his car. Oh my god, it's the cute- that, that was a really cute, funny scene. He's just gonna keep calling me, and then, and then he just starts hitting the car, like, god damn it! He gets out of the car, walks back in the house, walks back out, just starts jumping yeah, up and, and down. Yeah, because, like, the shot is of the inside of the car, and he's not in it, but you can see him- through the back window, jumping up and down. It's like, oh my god. Ferris even says at one point that Cameron is so tight that if you stuck a lump of coal up his ass, in two weeks you'd have a diamond. Cut to a nurse coming down the hall. Oh my god, yeah, I like had a moment because like, I, I knew she looked familiar. And I was like, who is she? This older black woman. And I'm like, she looks familiar. Where do I know her from? And I'm thinking, and I'm going through the whole scene. And I'm like, oh my god, she's Will Smith's grandma from fucking Fresh Prince. I think it's the grandma. I don't know. I'll If I can find a clip of her, I'll put it in here. And anyone that's seen Fresh Prince will know what I'm talking about. We're real proud of Zeke. 
Did you know he won the Young Farmers of America pig raising trophy? Won it four years running. They had to retire his slop bucket. Slop bucket? Oh, I can't wait till he wakes up. That lady was in the scene as a nurse at the school, and she goes into a classroom, and then the nurse is like, Sloan Peterson, can you come with me, please? And then this girl, the nurse, like, takes her outside, and she's like, oh, I hate to tell you this, dear, but your grandmother has passed away. And I'm like, huh? <laughs> and she's, like, faking being sad. And I turn to Scott, and I'm like, she knows that Ferris has planned all this, right? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, oh, okay, because if she didn't know, that would be really cruel. <laughs> Ferris's girlfriend, Sloan, is played by Mia Sarah. I didn't recognize her from really anything else in no. my IMDb, so this was kind of uh, her one claim to fame here. Yeah, uh, it's it's all I know her from anyway. But she's a, a very pretty young lady. Yeah. And uh, she, she did good in this. I, I enjoyed her. So while all this is going on, Rooney's suspicious of this. Oh, yeah, which is another stupid thing, because it's not like Ferris called the school and was like, oh, you have to take someone out of school because a clown car crashed into my house. Like, it's not like he came up with some bizarro story. Said my her grandmother died. Like, that's not a weird thing. <laughs> but somehow he's still suspicious, so he asked the secretary, like, who is Sloan Peterson seeing lately? And the secretary, of course, she has the, her finger right on the pulse of all these little children. She knows uh, she's been seeing Ferris, so he's his uh, antennas go up. Ding, 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 Ferris. But somebody's on the phone. It's Mr. Peterson. <gasps> and Mr. Peterson's like, uh, Mr. Rooney, I'm sorry, we've had a death in the family. Oh, oh no, dear. <laughs> that just sounds too normal. This... <laughs> Mr. Quote unquote Mr. Peterson has the weirdest accent I've ever heard in my life, and I was trying to discern what impression they were going for with this. At first, I was like, "Are they doing a Marlon Brando impression?" And then I was like, "Are they doing a Dick Van Dyke impression?" I was like trying to figure this out, and I actually googled it, and apparently, the impression was of a Broadway theater director that Alan Ruck and Matthew Broderick knew from, like, back in the day, and they were just using that accent to, like, crack each other up. I I don't know. But it was the most bizarre accent that I've ever heard. So, Rooney is immediately like, this is fucking Bueller. This is him. I know it's him. And he starts going off on Mr. Peterson. You can kiss my ass if you believe. Oh, my God. And <laughs> Ferris Bueller calls, and the secretary goes, Stop, 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 stop. Ferris is on line too. And then, as fucking Rooney realizes, oh shit, they have like the fucking craziest musical sting. Ferris Bueller's online too. It was so loud and proud and awesome. Ferris on the phone goes, hey, can you tell somebody to bring my work to my house that I missed for today? Blah, blah, blah. And he goes, thank you, Mr. Rooney. He hangs up. And he goes back to Mr. Peterson, who is now yelling at him. And we cut to Cameron. Ah! <laughs> and Rooney and his secretary are running back and forth and uh, trying yeah, to so stall. Sorry. Finally, Cameron goes, just have Sloan be outside. I want you to be out there with her. And Ferris slaps the phone out of Cameron's hand. And Cameron's like, Never, you know what? We'll, we'll just come together in ten minutes and hangs up. So that worked out real well. Real cool under pressure there, kids. Cameron and Ferris have a little back and forth here. Yeah, they have like a little tiff. And Cameron's like, you slapped me. <laughs> and Ferris is like, I, did, I didn't slap you. I just gently, <laughs> gently grazed you or something <laughs> like that. This is the part where like, I felt very sociopathic vibes because he's pressuring Cameron to lie to Rooney and, like, do this whole scheme with getting Sloan out of school. And then when Cameron goes to leave and go home, and he's like, oh, wait, I'm sorry. Like, an abusive relationship. Like, I'm sorry, baby. I'll never do it again. Like, it's so bizarro. So Ferris is like, okay, I need a favor from you to fix this. So then we cut to the 1961 Ferrari that is in Cameron's 
garage. Yes, it's his dad's pride and joy. And fun fact, that Ferrari was actually, in real life, not a real Ferrari. <laughs> oh, wow, really? Never would have guessed. Yeah, uh, they had three Ferrari replicas made for this movie. Because the real thing was just too damn expensive. Mm-hmm. On a $6 billion budget, I can't imagine why they would well, feel that way. They said uh, this car was one of, like, 100 that were made, which is insane to think about. So this this car is introduced by a song called Oh Yeah by the band Yellow. Everyone knows this song. I'll put it right here. It's pretty iconic, even if you've never seen this movie, because I haven't, but I've definitely heard the song yeah. before. It definitely, it, I mean, it definitely works. It sets the fucking tone. But yeah, I don't understand how them stealing Cameron's dad's Ferrari helps them in the situation. I think Paris just wanted to drive the Ferrari, so he basically manipulated Cameron into getting him to take the Ferrari out. He does say later, if you have the opportunity to drive a Ferrari... You I mean, drive the Ferrari. I mean, fair enough, it's fucking beautiful, but, like, there are so many variables that could go wrong. This car, ultimately, as we go through the movie, it's representative to Cameron as the object of his father's love and affection Yeah. that doesn't really go to Cameron at all. Not even so it's bit. just, it, it's, it's a gorgeous car, but it, it does represent something really significant for Cameron's arc. Yes. So, Rudy walks Sloane out and tries to, like, I guess be comforting. Consoling, yeah. And it doesn't work. And Sloane is like a little smartass, too. She's like, Mr. Rooney, Ed, you're a beautiful man. I'm like, oh my god. There's a lot of, like, really good one-liners in this. And then, fucking Ferris shows up in the Ferrari in a trench coat and a bucket hat and sunglasses. And some reason he thought that that would be okay. And it, it works. I mean, I guess it works. So I'm the stupid one, I guess. In my mind, I was like, how are they going to pull up in a fucking convertible and not be noticed? Even though Rooney is standing, what, like, 10, 20 feet, 10 to 20 feet away from him. He doesn't notice that it's Ferris. Okay, whatever. The boy who is the bane of your existence, you don't recognize him? Oh my god, you realize that this is foreshadowing Inspector Gadget? Oh my god. Do you realize that? The trench coat. Fucking Inspector Gadget wears a bucket hat and fucking trench coat. All he needs is a talking car. And fucking shoes that turn into springs. What is this? <laughs> Inspector Gadget. <laughs> anyway. So Sloan goes down to Ferris. And Ferris goes, do you have any sugar for your daddy? Oh, no, he's like, do you have a kiss for daddy? <laughs> Don't do that here. He's standing right there. And sure enough, they just make out. <laughs> and Rudy is standing right there. I'm like, oh, my God. And Rudy goes... Oh, so that's how their family works. Like, oh my ew, god. Ew, oh. ew. Like, honestly, though, Ferris Bueller, as much as I think he is sociopathic, <laughs> and I don't envy that, but in regards to, like, him being a teenager in high school, I wish that as a high schooler, I had the level of supreme fuck it that he has, but I just, I just didn't. I was more like Cameron in high school. Same. So they drive off. Rooney goes back inside, and he decides, you know what? That bastard Bueller's gonna remember me. I'm gonna catch him in the act. This guy is so sad. Like he's the saddest of sad. Get a life, seriously. This 18 year old kid has more of a life than you do. Get it together. You didn't take the time to stop and look around, Frankie. Look around, look around, and how lucky we are to be alive right now. History is happening in Manhattan, and we just happen to be in the greatest city in the world. In the greatest city in the world. Watch Hamilton on Disney Plus. If you don't have it, get it. That is all. Anyway. So, 
They're driving around, having a good time. Ferris somehow ended up with a beret. We get the the little uh, interaction with the guy who parks the cars. And he looks a little sleazy. Yeah, he looks very suspicious. He He's very slinky. He's basically like the human amalgamation of Swiper from Dora the Explorer. Swiper? No, Swiper. Like, that's what he looked like to me. I was like, you're a gr- like, he's just a greasy, skinny dude. And he's like, eh, I'll take, I'll watch your car for you. Don't worry about it. I'm like, oh boy. And Cameron's like, it could get scratched. I'm like, okay, honey, calm down. So they they leave. And right as they leave, the guy who took the car and another guy drive off in the fucking Oh, yeah, you see them in the background, like, vroom. And it's like, oh, boy. Ferris and Cameron and Sloan are in the tallest building in Chicago, looking down at Chicago, saying how beautiful the city looks. This then leads them to going to the stock exchange where Ferris asked Sloan to marry him. I thought that was kind of cute. I know I said in, Mo- in our Mamma Mia review when Amanda Seyfried was getting married that she was too young. And, like, obviously they're too young, too. But the scene itself, it's cute. You want to get married? <laughs> I'm not getting married. Why not? Why do you mean, why not? Think about it. Well, no. Besides being too young, having no place to live, you feeling a little awkward about being the only cheerleader with a husband. Give me one good reason. Why not? And Cameron goes, you got two. My mother and my father, they hate each other. So learning more about Cameron, Cameron's life fucking sucks. His, his home life is not to be desired. Let's put it that way. So continuing on their adventure, yes. our trio. They go to a French restaurant. Oh, sacre bleu. Where... Ferris notices the maitre d' is not by his table, so he looks at who's coming in, and he sees the name Abe Froman Party of Three. So he takes on that name, and he has a whole sequence with maitre d' where he's, like, arguing with him. He's like, oh, you're Abe Froman, the sausage king of Chicago? And he's like, yes, yes I am. Eventually, they actually get into the restaurant, like, he worms his way in, and they're all sitting at this fancy table and all the people around them are dance so are dressed so fancily and the three of them are just dressed in regular like street clothes. It kinda reminded me of our honeymoon. Yeah, we went to this fancy Italian restaurant called Scarpetto Beach. Oh my god, yeah. It was really my fault because I made the reservation, but I didn't know it was so fancy. I wasn't aware. I just thought it was an Italian restaurant. Well, I was like, Oh, okay, perfect. Well, I like Italian. Well, when you looked at the website, the website said nothing about fancy dress. It was yeah, like, I mean, we didn't dress like street clothes-ish. You, ha- you have a nice shirt on. I had a dress on. But it wasn't like fancy fancy. It was like dress casual. Yeah, kind dress of casual. That kind of thing. But then we show up and we realize, oh, <laughs> this ain't for us. <laughs> People are in suits. There was a very uh, expensive fancy menu. I had $30 spaghetti. And Scott had, like, what? You had duck ravioli? Yeah. Duck ravioli, guys. Which That's was, where we were which at. Which I got six raviolis for, I think, also, like, $36. Yeah, it wasn't bad, but, like, I would never. <laughs> yeah. Okay, and then literally after that dinner, because we were both so hungry, we fucking just went to a pizza place afterwards. <laughs> because we're us. But that's basically the vibe in this part of the movie. They cut now to Jeannie is having her mental breakdown. Oh, yeah, there's this one shot where, like, she's at the end of the hallway in the school, and the camera just goes at the other end of the hallway and just slowly zooms in on her. And as they do that, her inner monologue is just going a mile a minute. Like, why does Ferris get away with everything? Da-da-da-da-da. So, Bruni is on the hunt for Ferris. Yeah, oh my god. So now, not only is this guy, like, obsessed with Ferris just sitting in the school. He is now taking personal time off. Like, teachers don't get paid a lot. I can't imagine principals get paid a lot either. You're taking your personal time to go look for this kid. Who gives a fuck if he's skipping school? Who cares? Who cares? Well, he goes to an arcade because he thinks that's where he'll be. He'll be at the arcade. And he runs into a girl who he thinks is Ferris. 
turns around, and the girl spits in his face. Ha <laughs> ha. Yeah, when when I saw him like accosting this young teenage girl, I got like chills. Cause... Yeah, because he says your ass is mine. Yeah, cause do you know what happens to Jeffrey Jones? Uh, uh, no. It's not really the best story. In two thousand three, he pled no contest to a charge of soliciting a minor. Oh boy! To pose for nudie photos, and he had to register as a sex offender. So yay! In case you didn't know that, now you know. Oh, that makes... I just Kevin spacey the shit out of Ferris Bueller. You're welcome. <laughs> Especially with Rooney's character and how obsessive he is. It is weird. Yeah, because he kind of also has serial killer vibes at points in this movie. We'll get there. So after Rooney gets his face spit in, because let's move on. Yeah, please. He goes to clean up his face at a pizza place next door. And the Cubs game is on the television. And who catches a foul ball? <gasps> Ferris! Right yes. on television. Because he's such a lucky bastard. <laughs> and Rooney totally doesn't see it. Rooney goes to the Bueller residence. He parks in front of a fire hydrant. And he decides to go ring the front doorbell. And an automated message starts. Oh yes, Ferris has hooked up this crazy contraption where the doorbell hooks up to a computer program or whatever in his room. Snaveroni Ferris, I'd like to have a word with you. Oh, I'm sorry. I can't come to the door right now. I'm afraid that in my weakened condition, I could take a nasty spill down the stairs and subject myself to further school absences. Rooney is getting more and more frustrated as it goes on. And it's like, okay, even if you think it's fake, the recorded message, no one's coming to the door, so you just continuously ringing the doorbell, that's harassment. Like, you should go away now, find a life, perhaps therapy, in another location. <laughs> but he decides he's going to try and look through a window. He's a peeping Tom. While he does this, he gets his foot stuck in the mud, he loses his shoe, finds a way in, and he sneaks in through the dog door. So, just to make sure we're on the same page this high school principal is a little peeved because this kid is a little mischievous so he decided you know what i'm going to break in to his home and prove he's not sick and root around his yeah like what did you think was gonna happen if you break into the house and you see ferris bueller there like what like dancing up a storm what do you think's gonna happen you broke into their house <laughs> yeah you're gonna get arrested but as he goes in through the dog door, Ferris's Rottweiler is there. As the dog is chasing Rooney around, we cut back to Ferris, who's now at an art gallery. Ooh, this is another kind of iconic scene from this movie that I, I knew about, you know, from pop culture references. But I, I love this scene. It was very, very chill. Yeah, they did, like, dancing around with children on a field trip. Yeah, that was really cute. They were doing, like, a chain of all the kids were holding hands, and then right at the end of the chain is the three of them, like, who did it to do? <laughs> they do random shots of different paintings with this really chill-ass music, and... They cut to them looking at the certain yeah, paintings. Yeah, like really cool, and then... Cameron's yeah. obsessed with this one painting. Yeah, that one painting that Cameron's obsessed with is called Sunday Afternoon on the Island of La Grande Jatte. Ah, and he ba it basically like zooms in closer and closer on this little child and Cameron's face too. Yeah. So I feel like that's supposed to mean something. Cameron is in the child. To his childhood. I don't know. Maybe I'm reading too much into no, it. No, it's probably. But it was a very chill scene. I really enjoyed it. This whole movie was kind of just like, like a a nice swing on a little hammock in the sunshine. So then we get. One of the other famous scenes from this movie. We get to the parade. Cameron and Sloane somehow have lost Ferris. And they're like walking around like talking. And then all of a sudden they hear Ferris's voice over this loudspeaker. Because there's a parade going on right next to them. It's actually the Von Steuben Day Parade in Chicago. Ah. Uh, this was actually filmed on scene in Chicago at this parade. And Cameron and Sloane see Ferris come out. 
in a flourish with a microphone, and he's lip-syncing the words to Dom Gashane for some reason. Dom Gashane, darling, Dom Gashane, thank you for all the joy and pain. He's having a good time. Cameron and Sloan actually have a nice little scene here. Yeah, they really do. I actually thought that they had chemistry here. I was like, are they going to end up getting together, maybe? Because they were, like, cute together. Cameron's like, I have no idea what the fuck I'm going to do with my life. And Sloan's like, I don't know either. And yeah, it's, it's very, just... very relatable teenage stuff. This also leads to the entire parade breaking out from Donkashane to... Twist and shout. Yeah, that was fun. It was. It just turned into like a musical, basically, for five minutes. I don't know why, but Ferris is up there on the float, and he's lip syncing, and then like there's a crowd of people, and they're all dancing, the choreography at parts, and this is where Cameron, I think, tr- starts to like loosen up a little bit. He says in that scene with Sloane, he wishes he could be more like Ferris. Yeah. Now we cut to Jeannie, who has left school in order to go home and confront Ferris on ditching school and like catch him in the act. While she goes to catch him, Rooney knocks out the dog with a plant face. As if we didn't hate him enough for harassment and trespassing trespassing and and breaking and and entering. Now we can add animal abuse on the list. We love that. That was a beautiful noise there. Thank you. Was that beautiful? Yes. Every noise you make is beautiful, dear. You're beautiful. Oh. You're beautiful. Oh, no. You're beautiful. Okay, it's true. Deny. Sit down. So, Jeannie runs in, runs upstairs, and kicks open Ferris's door. Oh, yeah. She's like, damn it, he's not here. But then she hears noises downstairs, so she goes downstairs thinking he's sneaking around down there. And Rooney is sneaking through the kitchen thinking that he hears Ferris. So both of them are, like, hiding behind this one corner. And then at the same time, they jump out and, like, go, ah! And then immediately Jeannie became my favorite fucking character because she sees Rooney standing in the doorway immediately screams bloody murder and just straight up kicks him in the face. <laughs> like, just lifts up her whole leg straight into his fucking face. And he's tall as fuck, so like, but damn! It requires some fucking flexibility. Oh, yeah. And we love that in a woman who's gonna dance with Patrick Swayze and have the time of her life. She knocks him out and he she runs up the stairs and locks herself in her room. Yeah. When she goes to her room, she fucking calls the cops and they don't believe her. <laughs> She's like, there's an intruder in my house. I think he could be armed. I don't know. I, I'm very cute. I'm afraid that I'm going to get fucking raped. And the cops Please ask her. help me. The cops ask her, how's Ferris doing? Like, are all the adults in this universe incompetent? I don't, I guess that's the T. I don't know. But like, that's the only way that this could work, is that all the adults in this fucking universe are incompetent. It's not right that they don't believe her. It's it's the 80s. It's fucked up. So <laughs> That's like the tagline for the 80s. Yeah, it's the 80s. It's fucked up. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Put it on the shirt. So she goes, I have my father's gun. I just called the cops. And I have a raging case of herpes. Oh, yeah, that was great. <laughs> So, Bruni runs the fuck out of there, and... His car's being towed. Because, yeah, because fire hydrant, you know, that's a no-no. So then we cut back to Ferris, Cameron, and Sloan, who are picking up the car. Well, now that we've, uh, we've come to the end of this leg of our adventure, yes. I think now is a good time to start another adventure. Oh. An adventure with a specific name. Do you know what it is? I don't. <gasps> It's the cast, could have been. Oh, twisted That's why we didn't play it before, because we were gonna play it here. <laughs> so I have some cast could have been for our two main male leads. 
Ferris Bueller and a Mr. Cameron Fry. Oh. Let's start off with Cameron because uh, I only have two for him. Apparently there were two other actors who were offered the role but turned it down. Okay. And they're both very 80s actors. <laughs> and they're both cast members from another John Hughes movie entitled The Breakfast Club. Oh, boy. So we have Mr. Emilio Estevez. Okay. Who's offered the role of Cameron. I mean, who doesn't love Emilio Estevez? That's very true. Quack. Quack. Then we have a Mr. Anthony Michael Hall. Anthony Michael Hall would have worked. I mean, Anthony Michael Hall looks a lot like Alan Ruck as far as like his stature. He's like a tall, skinny dude. Yeah. He's kind of like nerdy looking, so it kind of makes sense. Yeah, I'm sure Anthony Michael Hall did not want to be typecast. Well, that's probably why he turned it down. Also, Emilio Estevez is too cool to be Cameron. Emilio Estevez in Breakfast Club and in Mighty Ducks, those are the two main things that I can remember him from. He has this coolness about him, but he also has this kind of like timid charm to him. But he's not Cameron. No, Cameron is like a big ball of anxiety. But I mean, I'm sure Emilio could pull it off. But um, Alan Roth did a, a great job with this. I think it's a shame this is really, I mean, I'm sh he's done other things, but I think this is really like the biggest thing that he's known yeah. for. Now, as far as Ferris Bueller, there were quite a few other actors who were in the running to do this role. I will say that uh, I think Matthew Broderick did a good job with this. Yes. But other actors up for the role include Rob Lowe, okay. John Cusack, Tom Cruise, okay. Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. We're rattling off a lot of 80s staples here. Michael J. Fox. Also, yeah. Johnny Depp. And Jim Carrey. Okay. Jim Carrey, I feel like, is the weirdest one. <laughs> Somebody stop me! I, I like Jim Carrey. I, don't get me wrong, I love Jim Carrey. But I'm just trying to picture it, and it's, like, weird. Although I think he could do the sarcastic, like, looking at the camera and fucking with people oh, yeah. motif pretty well. But Honestly, it's just weird to think about. I think the weirdest one's Cruz, to be honest with you. Cruz has that bad boy kind of like yeah, it is still at like, least like young Cruz. He had that like cutesy bad boy yeah. thing going. So that wouldn't have been as weird. I think probably the weirdest ones for me, Jim Carrey and Johnny Depp. Because I mean Johnny Depp, you can't help but think of Johnny Depp now. But even when he was young, Johnny Depp, he had a lot of weird movie choices. Well, but Johnny Depp also had a uh, fucking Jump Street. True, true. He was very, he was very cute. So he could have worked out. Yeah, I think all of these probably would have worked out just fine. The thing with Ferris Bueller is it's not a very complex character. No, he's got to be a cool guy. Yeah, which I mean, a lot of these guys were just cool dudes in the 80s, so makes sense. Yeah. I think the casting choices that we got worked out pretty well. I do too. Yeah, except for Jeffrey Jones. We can replace him with anybody. Actually, you know what? Replace him with Paul Gleason from fucking Breakfast Club. He was the principal in that. Let's do that. That's yeah. fine. And that was Cass Kudabin. Oh, yeah. Come on, come on, fly around the baby now. Let's work it all out. Work it on out. So, yeah, coming back to the story. Woo! That's the driving home. Ferris looks at the odometer, and he goes, Hey, Cameron, what was the odometer at? He's like, ah, like 112 or whatever. And he goes, It's at 340, and Cameron flips. Yeah, he basically has, like, a mental break and becomes completely catatonic. Yeah, it's not looking good for him. They try and shock him out of it by, like, going into the pool. Cameron dives headfirst into the pool, and Ferris thinks he's drowning, so Ferris goes and saves him. This is really the first time that I start to not think that maybe he's a sociopath, like, because he actually genuinely seemed to care when he went catatonic, and he had one point where he's breaking the fourth wall and talking to the audience, and Ferris goes like, All I wanted to do was give him a good day. We're gonna graduate in a couple of months, and then 
We'll have the summer. Then he'll go to one school and I'll go to another. Basically, that will be it. Oh, that sounds really sad. And then when he's drowning, quote unquote, and he saves him and he's like, oh my God, Cameron, wake up. Like, I was like, oh, okay. He does care, baby. <laughs> or does he? <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's a nice little moment. Uh, yeah, but then uh, Cameron does kind of snap out of it and he starts joking around with him and Sloan and they're having a good time together in the pool. Now that Cameron's all better, we cut to Jeannie's in the police station. Because this bitch can't catch a break. <laughs> she's in trouble for making a false report. Yeah. But she's sitting on the bench while her mother's talking to the police chief. And she's talking to, speak of Emilio Estevez, Charlie Sheen. Yes, fun fact. The character that he's playing is apparently like this druggie. And in order to prepare for this prestigious role, Charlie Sheen allegedly stayed up for 48 hours so he could look all tired and haggard, which he certainly does. Uh, and he has a whole conversation with uh, Jennifer Grey here that's pretty hilarious. Yeah, where he's like, what are you in here for? Drugs? She goes, no, I made a false report and I hate my brother. Oh, so you shot your brother? <laughs> well, she goes, well, what are you in here for? He goes, drugs. It was epic. The run I was on made Sinatra, Flynn, Jagger, Richards, all of them just look like, you know, droopy-eyed, armless children. Cameron is now sitting with Sloan Ferris. They have the Ferrari up on a jack and they are running it in reverse. Because that's how cars work. Like Yeah. Too- <laughs> you're you guys are fucking adults. Like you're like practically adults. You're going to college and you don't know the simplest thing about how cars work. Yeah, that's not how it, yeah, like, I'm an idiot with cars. I don't know shit, but like I know that. I know that you can't turn the odometer back by making it go in reverse. That doesn't make sense. Yeah, so they realize this and Cameron's like, fuck it. I'm gonna take the blame for this. You know, this motherfucker loves his car more than me. He starts kicking the car. Yeah, this is like a really good scene for him. Yeah. I was I was happy to see it. I thought that he was just gonna kind of be like the sidekick the whole time and he he has this really kind of shining star moment here where he He's like, I'm gonna take a stand, and I'm I'm gonna, you know, if I if I'm gonna get anywhere, I have to take a stand and do what I want for my own life. You know, there were a couple weird deliveries at first when he started this whole speech, but then once he starts kicking the car and like screaming and kind of like cry laughing. Can't stand him, and I just got him. Who do you love? Who do you love? You love a car. It kind of turns the corner and becomes really good. So he's kicking this car, and finally he stops. He sits on the car, and the car gives way and flies back because it's still going in reverse through the glass window and into the woods. Which, by the way, like, why is the garage on, like, the second story of your house? (laughs) It's weird, I feel like. Rich people. Uh, Okay. So, yeah, it flies out the fucking glass window into the woods, and there's just, like, this deafening silence and it and eventually Cameron like walks up to the broken window and he's like what did I do and Ferris turns around and he's like you killed the car <laughs> and Ferris like okay I'll take the blame your father hates me anyway and Cameron's like no no I'm gonna have a talk with Morris <laughs> and I'll be fine I'm gonna take the heat me and Morris are gonna have a little chat and it's like Oh, and they do this like really nice score moment here and a nice close up on his face and you kind of get the impression that uh, Cameron has finally kind of come into his own and like he's come of age he's come of age some would say and he's kind of given up his fear he even says earlier on when he's talking to Ferris and Sloan he's like yeah I was I was so scared of like what was going to happen my dad finds out about the odometer, but then I thought about it and I'm like, I don't give a shit. Like, it does, like, I don't, I'm tired of being afraid. And, like, that's the piece de resistance. That's what we were waiting for, you know? Indeed. So it was cool. So the mom has now talked her daughter out of being in trouble. But while she's ta- finally finishing up with the police chief, 
Jeannie's fucking making out with Charlie Sheen. Oh, yeah, that's weird. I didn't know that was a thing. <laughs> I literally thought, like, that scene was it for Charlie Sheen. But no, he comes back in the next scene. And he's making out with Jennifer Grey. And I'm like, oh, hello. Uh, and she's all, like, giggly and, like, <laughs> like flirty and, like, cutesy. And it's like, oh, jeez. And then she leaves with her mom. And they get in the car and they drive off. And the mom is a fucking asshole. She's like, oh, uh, Jeannie, you lost me the account today. I had to come down here and take care of your nonsense. I'm like, bitch, you really don't believe your daughter? You really think she would lie about an intruder being in the house? Like, are you fucking stupid? Yeah, so while that's happening, Ferris drops off Sloan, and uh, they kiss, and he knows it's, it's five minutes to six. His father told him he was going to be back at six sharp. Oh boy, he's got to so run. Like, I gotta go. Uh, she says, I love you. He screams, I love you back as he's hopping a fence. And she goes, that idiot's gonna marry me. Which, that's kind of cute. But, like, I don't have high hopes. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's gonna kill you in your sleep. <laughs> <laughs> God damn. He's a so, I'm sorry, that guy is like, he don't give a fuck. <laughs> he's gonna kill you. <laughs> he's gonna kill us all. Oh, God. Now I feel like... You know how, like, sometimes on, like, YouTube, they, such and such movie, if it was a horror film, and they basically take, like, movies and put, yes. like, horror music under it. And, like, yes. and take a couple of scenes and yeah, yeah, yeah. together, yeah. It's like, I feel like that would pretty much be a cakewalk for this movie. <laughs> like, you oh, yeah. wouldn't even have to change much, let's put it that way. Uh, you just cut certain scenes yeah. in a certain order, and it's a horror film. So Ferris is, like, hopping fences, and then he almost gets hit. Genie almost hits him. Uh, the mother drops her papers, doesn't notice Ferris. Of course she doesn't. And now it's a race from Ferris and Jeannie racing home. Oh, yeah. She, like, speeds down the street. It's like the mom's screaming at her, and she's screaming, ah! Like, it's just chaos. Uh, they also come to the father, who's also racing home. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's being blocked by an old lady. He almost catches Ferris at one point. Yeah, he has to, like, duck behind the car and run. He, like, cuts... Ferris cuts across, like people's lawns and like uh he, he he sees two late two ladies sunbathing and he goes hi ferris bueller oh yeah he, <laughs> he just stops running and it's like oh hi i'm ferris bueller how you do and i'm like oh my god this fucking guy the next famous shot of this movie as the cops are chasing genie to uh, pull her over for speeding ferris jumps on the trampoline to jump over his fence mm -hmm. and it's like a slow-mo like it, yeah, that the, was the song's also pretty fit. Play the song here for that little, like, bit. Yeah, it's definitely fun. Uh, so Ferris finally gets to his back door, goes to grab the key that's under the mat, but there's no key. Who has it right next to him? Rooney. Is standing there and he goes, I got you, motherfucker. Yeah, so they're in the back, and then right as they start having that confrontation, the parents and Jeannie enter through the front. And Jeannie, the parents obviously are oblivious. They don't fucking notice anything going on in their own fucking house. But Jeannie notices outside that something is going on. Ferris is right outside, like, what the fuck? So she opens the door. After Rooney has now threatened that he's got him, he's going to make him stay another year in high school. Yeah. And she opens the door and is like, oh, Mr. Rooney, thank you so much for driving Ferris home from the hospital. <laughs> then you should go inside now, Ferris, and go to bed. <laughs> so, like, despite the fact that she's been bitching and moaning about Ferris this whole movie, she loves her brother and she wants to protect him, which I was like, oh, you're a good sister. This yes. is why I love her. I love her character. She also then movie. turns to Rooney and goes, oh, Mr. Rooney, you left your wallet on my kitchen floor. Hmm. And then she throws it off to the side, like in the street or in the bushes. The dog wakes up that had been knocked out earlier and reattacks fucking Rooney. Good. Fucking psychopath. So. Ferris uh, runs upstairs. Yeah. And he like quickly gets out of his clothes and gets into bed all snuggled up <laughs> and he realizes the like, snoring right at the last second the snoring machine is still on and his parents are like very close to his door so he takes out the ball he caught from the baseball game earlier and it's like the perfect fucking thing and he just throws it at the machine and it turns off and then 
he gets into bed and it's all it's all fine. Yeah. He made it out just fine. And the parents are like, Oh, Ferris, why are you so sweet? It reminded me like of like those things where you you know, you find out that the, like your neighbor's a serial killer and the news interviews you and you're like, Oh, he was so he was such a nice guy. Oh yeah, he's so he's such a good boy. Oh my god, it's so insane. So anyway <laughs> So anyway, that's basically the movie. Yeah, and then uh, we go to the end credits, yes, which the, are kind of iconic in themselves. Yeah, we get our song again. <laughs> and I know about the after credits scene, but there's a during the credits scene that literally like, horror film. I'm, I'm not even kidding. Horror film. I was genuinely scared. <laughs> so it, it's essentially Rooney just staggering you know, with his fucked up face and his fucked up foot from being attacked by this dog, staggering through the streets and slowly but surely a school bus, like, saddles up next to him with all these kids on it. Uh, and the bus driver's like, hey, Mr. Rooney, what's going on? You want a lift? And he does, like, the fucking scariest, like, and he like cracks his neck and like fixes his tie. Yeah, and he like slowly so, like staggers onto the bus and like stalks into the back of the bus, and all these kids are staring at him like like freak the fuck out. And like I swear to God, I if he had a gun, he would have killed all those kids. <laughs> like I I genuinely thought he was going to just kill everyone on that bus. Uh, he sits next to a kid who offers him a, a warm. A uh, warm jelly gummy bear from her uh, pocket. Yeah, a warm gummy bear that has been in her pocket, assumably all day. And he takes it and just throws it across the bus, and it's like, oh my god! And like, it's just so indicative of like, yeah, dude, this is your life. Like, look at look nothing. You spent all this time and energy going after Ferris, and nothing has changed, and you're still a shitty fucking high school principal. Like, uh, fuck you. Yeah. And then... The credits end, and... Yeah, iconic after credit scene. Ferris walks out and goes, You still here? It's over. Go home. <laughs> this movie, this has been made fun of by Deadpool, by everybody. Yeah, there's been a lot of parodies of it. Uh, so it's pretty well known. It's it's one of the most famous fourth wall breaking scenes in fucking history. But even though I knew like it was coming and I knew what this chick was, I still thought it was funny. Oh, it's still I funny. Still, I still laugh. So I mean, good on them, I guess. Yeah, it's a good shtick. So that was Ferris Bueller's day off. It was, and it was a good day off, I would say. Yeah, I definitely had fun with it. it like I said, it was a nice vacation in our movie watching journey yes (laughs) yes 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 so what did you give this on letterbox scott i have it as a 4.5 okay i have it as a 3.5 it's it's definitely not my favorite john hughes movie um but it definitely is unique It, it definitely provides a unique experience that i very much enjoyed i think that if i had seen it when i was younger and grew up with it i'd probably have it rated higher but i don't have that nostalgia you know heartstring attachment to well, it. Well, I still love it. I see again, I saw it a lot when I was younger. I understand your point that Ferris might be a sociopath, but I don't think he is. I just think he's too cool for school. But he stares into he stares deep into your soul when he looks at that camera stop. It's like he's reading your mind. It's like he's telling you everything you wanted to know and didn't want to know about your future and just hitting you with it like a ton of bricks. Yeah, but I enjoyed it. I, I like the fourth wall breaking. When it's done well, like, it's done pretty well in this movie throughout. Yeah, the device is, is used pretty, pretty This well is also this. way before it got really fucking abused through a lot oh, of movies. yeah, sure. Absolutely. Um, But it's fun. You know, I'm sure a lot of uh, films that used that after this were trying to emulate the success of this device yes. in this film. But uh, I I think the character of Ferris lends himself to that device, and it, it just all kind of melts together really well. Yeah. Yes, but I love this movie. I, I'll watch it again. 
if it's on, I'll watch it. It's it's just one of those movies that I I've always enjoyed. Yeah, I I watch it again. I'd well, I definitely watch it if I just wanted to like just watch a movie and like chill and hang out. You know what I mean? Like I didn't really want to like yeah. get too get too deep. Oh yeah. This is definitely the movie to watch. Indeed. So next week, I will be showing Scott another movie. And uh, I'm excited to show it to you because it's a Ewan, it's a Ewan McGregor vehicle. Oh, God. And we all know how I feel about Ewan McGregor. That is true. So it's going to be a good one. Should be interesting, folks. But until then, this has been Shoot the Flick, an official Paradoja podcast. I'm Frankie Sparks. And I'm Scott Eisenberg. Make sure you check us out on Instagram and Twitter at Shoot the Flick. And check out our weekly episodes every single Wednesday on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio, and pretty much anywhere else you can find a podcast. And make sure you come back next week for another crazy movie adventure. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go!